Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, just checking in to set up this episode. Jason and I interviewed Steven. Steven's 30 years old. He's living in a low cost of living area. He is working as a college administrator in the public sector, which sets up some special challenges, not only from a salary standpoint, but also from a pension standpoint. Does he choose to work the 25 years it takes to collect that pension, or does he forego that and move into the private sector? Lots of questions and challenges here. He has graciously agreed to share his FI number, his current salary, all of his projections that he's making with us, and so that you can see that the path to financial independence is unique, of course. It doesn't always involve two high-income earning professionals who are able to aggressively save. It can also be possible and achievable for people who are working on much more modest salaries. Let's get into his story. How did you discover FIRE? Like, how, how do you know? I mean, at the age of 30, I can't tell you what I was doing probably, but I certainly wasn't thinking <laughs> about can. retirement. So how, like, how, did, how did you discover it? Um, I would say probably internet forums, um, be it like Mr. Money Mustache, uh, back, I, I would say somewhere between 16, 18, like 20 ish, somewhere late high school, um, very early college, even at the absolute latest, probably sophomore junior year of, of, of college. Wow. Um, you know, just browsing the internet and came across it and thought, wow, this sounds, uh, you know, like something I want to pursue. Uh, you know, I was a, frugal person from uh high school college and like beginning of you know professional career um and it just seemed like something that made sense uh it really you know i didn't want to be someone that was working until i was like 75 or or even beyond that like i know people at my particular um institution that have been there for 40 some odd years and i can't imagine you know working at the same institution let alone uh, like in the same field uh, for 40 plus years that just seems unfathomable to me given that you came to this concept so early how did you start you know setting a number and what is that number uh, presently I think when I first said it I just first said it at a million you know the math on it the four percent safe withdrawal rate yep. makes it really simple uh, it's easy to do <laughs> big percentage math on, you know, nice round numbers. So that <laughs> takes it to 40,000. Um, and, you know, some of my jobs prior to this have been in that, you know, mid 30 to low 40,000 range. Okay. So thinking that if I can do that, you know, as um, someone first coming into a professional salary, um, and, you know, living somewhat frugally, but still able to splurge here and there, you know, mm-hmm. have your um, preferred your wants spending. Um, that that's something that I can make it, you know, in retirement as well. Ideally, uh, when you're not specifically setting some of your money aside, you know, for taxes, for um, retirement savings as well. It's a little more complicated now, just because I do have that pension aspect. Uh, if I do stay within the state public system, um, but the way that that works is that as long as I work for 25 years. Um, because that'll replace 45% of my, um, it's called the final average salary. So it takes your final five years um, worth of salary, um, averages them, and then 45% of that is what your pension value is. Okay. Yeah. So do, how do you project that out? Is there any way to do that? <laughs> yeah, you can, because you can, so it's also a union position, which is, you know, okay. very different than, of course, outside of the public sector and outside of, 
uh, you know, maybe higher ed or education in general, uh, is that it's a three-year contract, so I know what my raises are for the next three years. Got and it. I just kind of assume what that'll be. And there's also, you know, salary grades depending on, sure. you know, what point you get promotions. Uh, so you can kind of do the math, and I have done the math on that. Um, but, of course, that's entirely separate. That's just the pension, so it's separate from any IRA or HSA or uh, you know, any separate bucket of funds. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that is kind of complicated <laughs> setting your number. I mean, it, yeah. I also wanted to ask before we get too much further into this number, cause there's so much we could dig into here. Um, mm -hmm. what do you have for debt? You said you have a graduate degree. I imagine there's some student loans here. I actually don't, <laughs> which is crazy. Oh man. Um, so <laughs> good for you. Uh, I got, I'm really lucky. I have no debt other than, you know, just the month to month credit card float, you know, your short term, you know, yeah. credit card purchases. And of course I pay those in full monthly. Um, I got really lucky, uh, in that, you know, I had good like merit scholarship coming out of, uh, coming out of high school. Okay. Um, even just like for the public system, uh, I went to a state school up in New York, um, and my father had set aside funds uh, for my sister and myself uh, to be able to go to state schools. Um, and if anything, if we wanted to go above and beyond that, either private or out of state, the difference would be on us. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I did the math on that. Uh, I was looking at um, uh, a state-affiliated school outside of the state of New York, but still up in the Northeast, um, and ran the math on what my, you know, uh, what my loan balance would be upon graduating for four years. And it would have been roughly $40,000 like in total Got it. Uh, for undergrad four year degree. And I did the math on like what monthly payments on that would be. And it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. Yeah. I figured that the better value was to go to that state school, get that four year degree. Right. Um, and then ending up figuring out that I probably need to do a master's degree so between, you know, whatever savings I had by working jobs during, um, you know, high school, college, um, and I was working like part-time jobs at, at the school itself um, as a graduate student and also had graduate assistantships, which is pretty common mm -hmm. in, you know, the higher education administration graduate programs um, that I was able to pay for grad school you know, with those assistantships covering a portion of the balance yep. out of pocket. So no graduate debt either. Wow. Now, Very lucky. Yeah. Steven, here's, first of all, I'd say don't, don't call it luck because clearly you clearly <laughs> yep. made some very specific decisions very early on, which maybe speaks to where you started, which is that you came to this idea fairly early, which suggests to me financial discipline and maybe an appreciation for finance is something you had way earlier than if I can speak for both of us, either of us did. So tell sure, me about yeah. that. Is this an interest area of yours or was it, did you get that kind of education at home? Like how did you, how were you so fiscally responsible when I wasn't at 18? Because <laughs> I tell you, I, the decision that I made to go where I went was not based in, well, let's see how smart this is for me in terms of the debt I'm going to incur. I wasn't doing the math either, man. I'm totally yeah. impressed. And I wish, honestly, my kid was doing the math. I have to sit him down and force him to do it at 18. He's like, well, I thought you were paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's kind of a combination of the two. Um, I think that going back to like childhood, um, I saw my dad 
and like the dedication and the resources that he put into, you know, monitoring and budgeting kind of the family uh, financial situation kind of like from uh, one day to the next, you know, sitting down at the computer when he comes home and, uh, you know, logs expenses and whatnot, you know, budgeting on Quicken. Uh, So I saw kind of what was involved in that. You know, I, um, and also during high school, um, I had kind of like an internship sort of um, as a senior um, in high school where I would do rotations uh, throughout uh, a hometown bank um, and also various other businesses uh, in the community that I grew up in. So it was kind of an interest as well uh, okay. in terms of, you know, it, it kind of started out as a potential career interest and then working part-time you know on breaks and summers i kind of got steered away or I, I steered myself away from that particular career um, and i did start out uh, at college as like an economics um, major and a business administration major um, and i ended up switching out of that business administration major making that a minor and adding psychology as a major um, so kind of an interest in uh, you know, business, finances, economics in general, um, and that transitioned out of that and kind of into the psychology and economics aspect. And then I just kind of fell backwards <laughs> into higher education administration, <laughs> you know, as a coming out of senior year of college, and here I am. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Fi path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. So did um, did the calculus of, you know, don't go further into debt um, than your first year, your graduating year's annual salary, did that play into that at all? Because, I mean... I don't, I don't know what you imagined making in that year of graduation, whether it was $40,000 or not. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's the general guidance that everyone is telling us with, you know, having an 18 year old who's getting ready to go to college, like, just make sure your annual salary doesn't exceed your debt. I failed at that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Big time. But I mean, but so you weren't thinking about it that way. You were, you just, you applied a more of a sort of pragmatic mindset to the whole thing it seems like yes and and honestly i didn't i was so busy on like my undergraduate like the activities on campus that i was involved in um that i was not at all thinking of like how much money am i going to be making my first job out of college sure because i didn't really have any sort of ideas to what that first job was going to be which is exactly why i remember that on um like that christmas like that winter break between fall semester of senior year and spring semester of senior year my dad asked like so what are jobs are you applying for uh like what are you going to be doing after graduation i was like uh i don't know (laughs) and like i did throw an application out like for the state comptroller's office in terms of like auditing or whatever sort of like financial specifically it would have been um, but that was just so that I could say that, yes, I've applied for something that really, I didn't really expect that that's what I would do. Uh, and that I just landed on higher ed administration. Okay. So you're not choosing it for the the money necessarily, right? I mean, you're, no, oh yeah. gosh, no. 
Yeah. And so, so why, why stick, stick there? Do you see That's yourself? That's a great question. Moving? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, so my role is very like detail oriented. Um, and that's something that's the kind of person I am, uh, you know, that kind of lends itself to the whole like fire movement and journey in general. Sure. Um, but it's, it's, you know, you go to work, you do what you have to, you come home, you live, you get paid and you keep doing it. (laughs) I know that's not like if I had enough money that I didn't need to be working, this isn't what I would be doing necessarily, but you got to make the money. So you've set, it's a $1 million FI number, right? Far, yeah. It's pretty far in the future, as I understand it, right? When, when do you see yeah. reaching that number? <laughs> well, the goal is 54, just because that's like the, um, when I'll hit like 25 years of service with the state. So yep. it's related to the pension. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And, and I guess, the, and a lot can change like situation wise yeah, for myself. Course. Uh, as for anyone in life over 25 years. Uh, so, you know, it's a moving target and it's something that I'll evaluate. Um, you know, once I hit 54, depending on like what life situation I'm in at the time, it may end up getting prolonged, but that's, you know, something that I'll, I'll get there when I get there. It's always the, the, it's the scary part for me, you know, being pre-fi like you, I've set a number for myself and the, the closer I get, to that, I'm like, wow, is it enough? <laughs> and my tendency yeah. is to continue to level it up because, you know, the thing I didn't know five years ago was that, you know, I want different things now. I'm going right. to want different things in my fifties. I may want different things in mm-hmm. my sixties. And so how do you, how have you sort of answered that question for yourself? I think that a lot of that depends on like the family situation. It's a lot easier to be uh, you know, financially independent and to retire early if you're just a single individual, if you don't necessarily have a significant other or if you don't plan on having kids. Um, I do intend on having, you know, ending up in a long term relationship. Mm-hmm. And I am not at the point yet where I've ruled out having kids either. Um, I know that children can be a significant um, portion of. Uh, an individual or a family's budget um, for a long time. (laughs) And also I would love to do for my own children uh, what my father, uh, what my family was able to do for, for me, uh, for myself and my sister uh, as well. I do have the slight advantage of working at a college. uh, Mm -hmm. So I do kind of get that, you know, tuition uh, either like waiver or discounter component or whatever that ends up looking like when I get to the point where kids may be part of the picture. So I do have that slight advantage on him uh, in that regard. Um, But it really, it really, really depends. It's, it's so tough to tell at this point. Do you worry about lifestyle creep at all? I mean, you're happy hiking now, but how do you know that your vacations in the future are, you're not going to want to be much more extravagant. You want to go hell or something, you know? They might. Um, and if they do, I'll get to that point. Yeah. Um, I went on like a vacation to uh, France with my sister, uh, like for the Women's World Cup. And that was the first time that I traveled off of like the North American continent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd gone to Canada a handful of times, just, you know, being that geographically close. 
Uh, but it was like the first time that I'd flown for actual like vacation purposes in a long time. Um, and I enjoyed it. But at the same time, we didn't get like this nice fancy hotel. We stayed in an Airbnb together. Yeah. Um, and we, for the bulk of our trip, at least didn't go on various excursions to other countries, even though that's very easy to do in Europe. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, watched two semifinals in the final of the Women's World Cup, which is amazing. Uh, and I was able to save up for that. And, you know, that's soccer is something that I really enjoy. So I prioritized that. And then afterwards was able to go to um, Berlin for two extra days just because I had the, the vacation time to do that. <laughs> uh, and that was a place that I absolutely wanted to go and really enjoyed it. And I got uh, a private room for the hostel, which was like 50 bucks a night, which I was completely okay with spending, uh, especially given that it was only for two nights. Uh, <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. Uh, and is it possible that I can significantly, uh, I guess, kind of grow my sights um, in terms of vacations or lifestyle, et cetera? Sure. And if I do, that's awesome. I love it. If not, then I know what I have. <laughs> Given the background that you had, both from, you know, your observation of how your father handled finances, as well as this financial element to this internship and potentially a career path, does that make you, did that make you a natural budgeter? And is that the case now? And if so, how does that help you on your journey? Yeah, so it definitely made me a natural budgeter. <laughs> um, you know, when you're a college student, you kind of have to be be a natural budget or just kind of based on your own circumstances. Yeah. Oh, trust me, um, you don't. <laughs> you don't have I guess so. To. You don't have to. No, You'll that's suffer. That you, I guess, yeah, it's something that you prioritize. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I did prioritize. Yeah. Um, I yeah. wasn't someone going on like spring break vacations or anything. Um, but it's something that, um, you know, in your first salary, you know, I, I still having roommates, you know, it made it a lot easier to, and a lot of them, they were college friends, too. They were you yeah. know, grad school friends, and it was a great time. Um, but it was something that it makes the financial situation a lot easier than yeah. having your first apartment out of um, college. And, of course, for me, it's two years later than everyone else was just because I was still prolonging the, the schooling situation by an extra two years. Um, but it just makes it more financially feasible. Uh, it puts the roof over your, over your, over your head, um, mm -hmm. having roommates for you know a third of what in my case i had two roommates so a third of what it would cost to only have a one-bedroom apartment so um it, it, it was something that i felt forced upon myself just coming into education you're not making huge money you're making enough to get by um but it was something that i felt that i needed to do in order to keep pursuing you know my own financial um aspirations i guess I don't think you've mentioned this before, but um, if you're comfortable sharing, what's your current compensation range or wh whatever you're comfortable sharing? Yep. Um, so I'll kind of preface it that the uh, compensation in my previous position was just under 40000 um, And I, I have changed jobs. Um, my previous position, um, I was at somewhere around fall of 2017 up until about fall of 2021. And I started my new position back in the fall of 2021. So I've been in it for about seven months now. 
Uh, but my new position is about 50, 51,000 or so. And so, um, you know, I think of one of the hallmarks of the fire community is your savings rate. So um, yeah. mm -hmm. how much of that are you able to save? Uh, I separately have access as part of being uh, like a New York State public employee uh, to a 457B, mm -hmm. um, also known as like a deferred comp account. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's a pre-tax fund as well. Um, one huge difference for that compared to the 403B and the 401K and probably a couple of the IRAs as well um, is that there's no actual age restriction to it. Um, the only qualifier is that you separate from your employer. Um, which is an absolutely huge benefit to me uh, and that I don't have to wait for like a particular time. And I also don't have to kind of mess around with all the various ways of accessing retirement money that otherwise would be locked away until like 59 and a half or whatever the exact right. age uh, limit is. It's something that, you know, as soon as I separate from either my current employer or whatever future um, you know, employer I may have with those funds as long as they're still part of the state system um, prior to age 59 and a half or whatever the other limits may be. So um, in terms of like an actual And you one qualifier there, though, with the 457, you actually, you, you have, it's a decision point, right? It's basically, you can take the lump sum and it depends on your plan. You may be able to roll it into a 403B at that point if you wanted to do that. Some plans yeah. don't, don't allow you to do that. But then the other arm is usually taking it in like 10 equal annual installments. Is that what you, how you understand it? Um, it depends. Um, I haven't like looked at the plan documents like super recently. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a whole bunch of different ways that you could plausibly withdraw from it or uh, withdraw from it either like on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, yearly basis. Um, New York State seems to have a lot of different options as how you can do that. Okay, but I okay. don't think that it fits that whole like 10, you know, 10 installments uh, situation. Okay. Yeah. My wife has one and the, the plan document is very specific and what you can and can't do with it. So it's yeah something to follow mm -hmm. up on probably. But yeah, that's so that's an interesting one. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often, we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Fi. Continue on that thought with the savings rate. If you yep. want. Uh, so I would ballpark it somewhere around like 25% or so. Wow. Um, maybe like somewhere between 20 and 30%. Kind of it depends on the month, um, you know, just based on, you know, what expenses one has in any given month. Um, but somewhere in that 20 to 30% range. And that's averaging up to 25 probably. Is that of your take-home pay? Um, or yes. gross? Okay. Yep. And are you on the side of kind of, do you have specific saving goals that you make first and then you kind of see how the monthly expenses work and then anything remainder, maybe you kick in more. How do you think about making contributions? So the way that I think about that, um, and the big unique point is the 457B. Uh, to me, it makes a lot more sense based on where my specific compensation rate is. Um, to throw as much into that 457B as like I'm initially comfortable with um, and I'm not focusing on IRA contributions at this point, um, just based on, you know, how much cushion, you know, what your 
um, like contribution limit on the 457B is um, kind of considered in tandem with what my salary is. Um, so at this point, I'm only contributing on like a retirement basis, at least to the deferred comp. Um, and of course, there's that separate pension piece um, that I have like a mandatory four and a half percent and it like scales with your salary growth as well. Oh, okay. Um, th that's my own pension contribution and the institution has like it's separate, whatever math that works out to um, in terms of, you know, what they calculate the pension contribution on their side of things is. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's complicated. It is Anything really complicated. like above and beyond <clears throat> on like a, a monthly basis I'm still having recently switched the jobs and kind of ironing out what my monthly expenses are in my new uh, apartment where, um, you know, your social situation is different than what it used to be. You know, I had a lot of different friend groups out where I used to live um, and I'm still kind of meeting people and growing those friend groups out in my current uh, city. Sure. Um, so the financial picture at this point is still kind of flexible. Um, it's not as clearly defined and I'm okay with that too. I, it allows me, you know, I'm not tracking as, uh, concretely and as like definitively as I was back in my old position, just because of that salary increase from the job switch. Sure. Have you thought about ways to level up your salary, um, so that you can reach five faster or is it not, is it really always going to be tagged to that pension date? And therefore, you know, it's always going to be some somewhere in your 50s. Um, I, I just wonder because there's there's some calculus there, right? I mean, if you were to say right. double or triple your salary right now, maybe the pension yeah. and, and you're outside of the pension system, maybe the pension mm -hmm. is, is the thing that's kind of holding you back. Have you thought about that at all? In a way, yes, um, because back at my old, um, my, my prior position, I was thinking, should I still be applying for um, jobs at my same general uh, like functional area of responsibility, like at that same general level, or should I be applying to positions outside of higher ed and education in general? Um, and it's just something that I found my new position with a significant, um, a sufficient enough pay raise over my prior position mm -hmm. that I felt, you know, it was that immediate, I got the position. It was like a 30 some percent pay raise. And I, uh, <laughs> I was just happy with that. Right. To get yeah, to yeah. that next particular goal, like that next uh, position and kind of continuing your own uh, career journey. Um, could I move into like corporate education or some sort of um, uh, whatever the rough equivalent would be in like the private sector and potentially double or at least like raise my salary 50%. I'm sure I could, but I'm happy with the position that I have just based on the work-life balance of the position. It sounds like, you know, con controlling costs, you know, expenses, an important part of your strategy. How does mm -hmm. that manifest? Are you, or do, you, do you feel like you're making deliberate decisions about deferred gratification or, you know, when it comes to, you know, leisure spending, how do you think about that? Has it changed over time? I'm very interested in that. Uh, I don't know how much it really has changed outside of like grad school. Um, I have kind of my um, 
my trips kind of they're not significant trips I, I, you know i don't go on you know week-long vacations or anything like that um i like making like three-day or four-day weekends i've got a couple of significant um summer camping trips that i go on with a whole bunch of different people like pretty big like large camping events um and you know i go hiking up in the adirondacks as a lot of people you know my general age and location in the state do yep um <laughs> I, I guess i always kind of prefer kind of the active element of vacations i'm someone that likes to you know go hiking go camping um those sort of activities as opposed to flying like to a particular destination where instead of camping in a tent or in a cabin you're inside of a nice hotel for whatever period of time uh and i think it's something that it's just my own preferences i guess sure. i kind of prefer the the active things as opposed to you know going to a beach or yeah anything like that yeah, no, I, I mean, and you don't you don't strike me as a spendy person. Um, mm. On the same note, it's interesting when because there's such a big diversity of how people think about this. Some people are more of the mindset of you know what, it's for scarcity now, so I can spend a lot later. I suspect you're not anticipating, you know, you know yourself, I don't. You're yeah. you're not expecting huge increases in spending as you age. And maybe that makes it easier for you to budget and even think about budgeting in the future. Is that accurate or, or am I off base? No, I definitely agree with you on that. I don't think that I'm someone that is putting myself kind of in a forced scarcity situation at my point in life right now so that I can indulge down the road. I would absolutely love to be in that situation. Hopefully I am, but I'm not necessarily planning on it. What do you think has been uh, the most challenging part of being on kind of fire path? I would say it's been navigating the like priorities of it all. It's the, the YNAB poor aspect of it where mm -hmm. you've got money in the bank, but mm -hmm. you've got it all allocated towards X, Y, and Z priorities. And maybe it gets to the end of the month and your friends want to go out for a really nice dinner or whatever. And maybe if it was at the beginning of next month that you wouldn't or that you would do that. But now you're just not at the point in your budget wise to be doing that. Um, I, I think it's kind of navigating it with yourself while knowing what your own priorities are, while knowing that maybe your friends got out of that grad school um, that grad school path first or maybe they got into uh, a field that is a bit more high paying than um, education, maybe. I think it's navigating the social situation while, like, exterior wise, while navigating your own ambitions interior wise. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that. Be, you know, earlier on in in this interview, you said you think being on the fire path, you know, as a an individual, it's easier. And I, I wanted to push back on that to say that I don't think it is because so many times I've, you know, been able to lean on my wife's shoulder to talk me out of like, hey, we have money in the bank. We can go ahead and do this kind of thing. You know, it's OK to live life a little bit here. And um, I mean, not to mention the added salary and, you know, if you have someone sitting yep. by your side who can help you save, you know, and the in you 
in your thirties, that's pretty helpful. Um, it's, you know, if, if you're both on the fire path, I think, um, running this track solo is, it's actually pretty challenging, you know? So yeah. I, I applaud you for the discipline that you have just to even be having those conversations with yourself at the age of 30. Like that is just not something that was even in my lexicon. I was like, Hey, we're you, yeah, we're going out. Yes, we are. <laughs> There's no question. Yeah, I was looking at the budget. Yeah. So I think that's going to serve you well as you get closer to this five number. No, I think it's great for people to hear from somebody who is on the path. It's really far in the future. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. They find the movement, like you said, like that whole idea about the understanding the mechanics and like, once you get those down, it's like, okay, well, I can just execute on this plan. But, but there is a psychological component to it that is, mm -hmm. can be hard to manage, especially if you're single and you don't have a lot of other people in your life to talk about it with. And yeah, yep. it's just great hearing your story. And I, I also really appreciate that you're willing to share numbers. Um, and yeah. I know it's, it's been a criticism of like Jason and I that we aren't willing to share numbers. And we do that for very specific reasons because, you know, we have mm -hmm. people showing up at our houses, but, uh, yes, you do <laughs> among other things. Um, but I, it's nice to have some context, uh, for people, especially I feel like getting started on that path, man, because it's, mm. man, that's a long road. And I give you a lot of, a lot of respect for putting a plan in place so early. So congrats, man. Yeah. Likewise. Yes. And I think it's even one of my favorite mm -hmm. aspects of your story is the fact that you're the when I look at how you characterize your journey, you're you're doing this to take control of your trajectory, because I think many people and many of us, you know, earlier on in our lives, we're just kind of letting things happen. Yeah, we're saving or we're doing things. We didn't have a, a plan. So you're going to end up retiring when you retire. But I love that people in their 20s or early 30s are thinking, you know what, I'm going to put together a plan so that by this point, or I estimate by this point, I'm going to be able to hit that time freedom that I want. And maybe it's 10 years younger than the U.S. average. Maybe it's 20. Whatever it is, it's got to fit you. But it's about taking ownership of that path and not letting it sort of just fall into place. And that is so powerful and honestly, I think is rarely spoken. And he's so you're so flexible. Like, I love this idea that you're like, well, maybe it's, I mean, maybe I'll want nicer vacations or maybe I'll want to do this, but exactly. maybe not. Yeah. I mean, cause, and that's kind of speaks to the differences probably between you and me, because I'm like Henry, I'm like, well, what if, what if, what if, <laughs> exactly. you know, and it's like, and that can make the journey really stressful. So, um, and maybe that's just part of the, how you have to survive it when you discover it so young, because yeah, it's like you're living life. Like this is going to work and it's doing all the things that everybody does, but, and the, yep. and the path is a little bit uncertain. And, and I think that's going to be so relatable to people. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we appreciate your time and yeah, uh, I know yeah. you have limited time after work to do the things that you need to do. So we, you know, this is a yep. long call. And so thanks so much, man. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you. Both you. Dave. All right. Bye-bye. See you later, Steven. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com.